This might surprise a number of you. There is a very small part of me that someday would love to go to North Korea and just see it, to just experience it. Now, there's a large part of me that is absolutely terrified of that, but there's a very small, curious part of me that would love to go to North Korea, just to see the place, or at least to go to like the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, where you can go on a mountainside and look across a valley and look into North Korea. And along the border, they have a number of these border towns that look very nice. And they have loudspeakers blasting propaganda saying, North Korea is a worker's paradise. But those border towns are actually fake. They're just a facade. No one actually lives there. Or if you go to the capital of Pyongyang, many of the world's media who have been there are often shown these amazing high-rise buildings that look very nice on the outside. But they're only taken to one floor, and that one floor is very nicely furnished, but they know that the rest of those floors are just concrete. There's nothing there. Nobody actually lives there. And the government does this to really put on a show, to look the part, to portray strength when the rest of the world knows that there's staggering poverty in that country. And that idea came to mind for me when I was reading this second reading today, where we learn that we are called to build spiritual houses, to be true dwelling places of God. We have to be careful to not just build the exterior, to build a facade. We need the interior as well. It needs both exterior and interior. So not just the exterior, but a warm interior that is welcoming to Almighty God. Again, as we heard in the second reading, this spiritual temple that we're supposed to build is only of value for us who have faith. But for those who don't have faith, it's just a bunch of stones that were rejected by the builder that happened to be the cornerstone. They're just a bunch of rocks. So we need faith. We need an interior life in order to make ourselves true spiritual houses, true dwelling places for God. Because without interior devotion, our external works become Meaningless. They carry about as much weight as a high-rise in Pyongyang. We even heard a little bit of this idea in the first reading today. We, were, we had the choosing of the first seven deacons for the church. And the apostles, the faith was growing so rapidly, they were very worried that they were going to neglect either the interior or the exterior dimension. So they told the deacons, you're going to work on ministry of service, the exterior works, while we are going to work on ministry of the word and at the altar. They knew that neither dimension could be neglected. They knew that each of them were that important. Now, eventually those roles would morph into the roles of deacon and priest that we have today, but the, the, the real lesson is that even in the earliest days of the church, the apostles realized this great need for balance between the interior and the exterior life. <clears throat> or even in our gospel today, we have Philip and Thomas questioning Jesus. And Philip and Thomas were wonderful followers. They had the exterior structure. They had everything down. They followed exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. But somehow, it was lost on them the fact that Jesus showed them the Father and that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. That was somehow lost on Philip and Thomas. Their interior life needed a little bit of work. So we don't want to be people who just simply follow the rules, but forget about the encounter with God that is so necessary for us. 
We don't want that to be lost on us. We cannot neglect the interior to just work on the exterior. And maybe a way that this is very concrete for us as Catholics today is through the Mass, through the liturgy, where we have both exterior and interior participation at the Mass. Again, our Catholic liturgy is so very rich in exterior things. We have so many rich gestures and words, and we have beautiful vestments and incense and music. It engages all of our external senses. And those are all very good, and we need them. They help us to participate at Mass. But they're not everything. There's something else that's missing if we're only concentrated on the exterior. It's the interior participation at the Mass that is so very important. You know, the honest truth is we could probably find a thousand atheists, put them in the very same pews where you're sitting, have them read the same readings, bring up the same gifts, play the same music, and it would look exactly the same. But what would be different, or what should be different, about our participation versus the participation of a thousand atheists here? Anyone can be taught the exterior forms of participation. You can sit, stand, and kneel down with the best of them. But the interior participation at the Mass, the praying at the Mass, that is what sets us apart from having a thousand atheists here. So we need that interior dimension. That's what makes our participation different. And if we lack interior participation here at the Mass, then this building is just a bunch of brick and mortar. It's not a true spiritual temple. It's not a dwelling place for God. So our exterior participation should really help to foster our interior participation. They should feed each other. They should foster each other. The words and gestures that we participate in at the Mass should draw us to prayer. And the prayer that we have in the Mass should draw us more and more deeply into uh, in the exterior participation that we so have. And when we do this, we engage truly the whole person, the interior and exterior. We're both body and soul creatures. So when we do this, we build a spiritual house that's more than a house. It's truly a home, a home for God. I want to end today with a word to our mothers on this beautiful Mother's Day. And it's very fitting that Mother's Day weekend this year falls on the same weekend where we just celebrated yesterday the 100th anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. The Pope went to Fatima in Portugal and uh, canonized two of the three children who were visionaries. And it's at Fatima where Mary very truly showed herself a mother to those three children. So we know that Mary is a model of motherhood and bringing forth Christ to the world. And today especially we thank God for the gift of our mothers, for their wonderful gifts of receptivity, sensitivity, and generosity that they bring to all of our families, and the way that so many of you mothers have handed on the faith to your children. And I think, really, Pope St. John Paul II said it very well in his 1995 letter to women. He says this, Thank you, women who are mothers. You have sheltered human beings within yourselves in a unique experience of joy and travail. This experience makes you become God's own smile upon your newborn child, the one who guides your child's first steps, who helps him to grow, and who is the anchor as the child makes its way along the journey of life. What a beautiful description of motherhood. 
So today we ask God's blessing upon our mothers, and thank you so much for all that you do in bringing the faith to your children and to others.